Sorry I was late for the podcast. I was gone to the shop to get vermicelli noodles and bean sprouts. Okay. That seems very directed and pointed. You clearly are going somewhere with this. Tell tell us about your vermicelli noodles and bean sprouts. Well, I went to the shop. No matter how many times I asked them for vermicelli noodles and bean sprouts, they wouldn't give them to me. Why? Whenever you went to the shop and asked for vermicelli noodles and bean sprouts, wouldn't they give them to you, Stephen? Because they didn't have them in stock. Oh, that was really painful. (laughs) You called the last episode, Adam Labour's a joke. (laughs) I was right, though. And yet now I feel like I've just spent 18 hours in a delivery room. That was painful, Stephen. (laughs) Yeah, it worked, though. I landed it. So is this the bullshit you're going to distract from fitness talk with now in this episode? Sure. I mean, I thought it was going to go somewhere because you were like, oh, cool. Top of the episode. I'm talking about buying, you know, carbs and vegetables. That's that's I thought, oh, I was optimistic. That's something coming in. But then just with all the enthusiasm and aplomb of a dyslexic socialist singing, there is power in an onion. You just ploughed right through there and that was hurtful well the actual matter of fact thing about the whole thing is that i was in the shop looking for vermicelli noodles and sprouts and uh, bean sprouts which i failed to get which spawned the idea for that uh, little intro because i wanted them to make saravac laksa with chili sambal it's far from saravac laksa with chili sambal you were reared uh what are you doing Buying this in, expecting to buy this in, in Killaloo. Well, I have the the, the makes, makings, the spices for my Saravac laxa with chili sambal. But I just was missing vermicelli noodles and bean sprouts. And when you went down to buy the vermicelli noodles and bean sprouts for your Varaflak laxa and chili vandal in Killaloo, what were you, did you have that like superior facial expression when you were looking at the cashier saying I would like vermicelli noodles for my Varavac laxa and chili vandal I went into the shop and I went up and I turned to Adam the fellow working there and I said Adam have you got any vermicelli noodles and bean sprouts for my Saravac laxa with chili sambal and he had none he said there were none in stock so you had no there was no vermicelli noodles and bean sprouts in stock for your vermiflac laxa and chili spandal. That's a, a, a heartbreak and a mouthful. I don't know what I will substitute in my saravac laxa with chili sambal. Maybe you could try some uh, angel hair. They didn't have angel hair. All they had seemed to have was egg noodles. Yeah. They, they did have udon noodles. bar in Killaloo. They had udons of noodles. Give me your take on Dublin over the weekend. Uh, I was in Galway. Okay. So, do you want my take on Galway? Sure. You went up on Friday and fuck me was the Spanish Arch busy with people sparching. Mm-hmm. It was like in all those pictures from the last time. 
Sparched out of it. So then they decided they were going to solve this problem by closing off the Middle Island so that people would have to dwell on less terrain. So you wound up with everyone then just over at the Spanish Arch instead of on Middle Island as well, which meant they didn't even have the same amount of area to cover because of that stupid idea. Like whoever fucking came up with that idea. Oh, let's condense them all into an even smaller patch. Fucking idiots. And I know when you were asking me about Dublin there, um, I didn't really see much news, so I don't, don't have much to come. But I did see that girl of a Tony Hallahan tweeting. Did you see that? You've really turned on him. What did he say before before we go to that? What, what did he, Tony Hallahan say? He s- said he was going into town to pick up uh, someone from work. And he basically was clutching his beads, the fact that people were out in the street drinking, which is what people were pretty much to do because they're not meant to be in their fucking homes. If anything, I think the bigger public offence is a, you know, man in his 60s clutching his beads looking out of his car window at you. Mm. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> that's um, like, obviously, yeah, I mean, Galway is, is directly comparable with it. Thoughts, feelings... My thoughts and feelings are that fuck off if you're going to if you're going to bitch about people at this juncture because we've scarcely had an opportunity to get out of the fucking house since Christmas. So fuck right off. That's my two takes. I'm I'm super on the fence about it because I absolutely agree. Like you know you can't signpost. Is it uh, a sharp fence? It's more of a white picket one, so it's not great to sit on top of. I'll be honest. But you find it satisfying nonetheless. In a way. That you would choose to sit there. I could get used to it. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of on the fence about it and it's hurting my arse because like on one side, yeah, like if they keep signposting an outdoor summer, they have to expect people to go outdoors during the summer. But at the same time, I'm also very aware that like actually drinking outside is still illegal and these people are doing something wrong so i i think what i would like to see come of this is not you know the buzz term which seems to be used all day now uh finger wagging i'd like to see less finger wagging and actually more pearl uh, clutching <laughs> actually some legislation to start to decriminalize drinking on the street at least in certain areas like in barcelona more yeah definitely that's a very simple thing to do because i did see um and heard that they were handing out in galway 100 euro fines to kind of like you know the odd person that they they decided to catch yeah she's just like fuck off that's not how you do that and like it's really got me thinking because in kilkenny especially did i tell you i was pulled over by the guards recently no right so i, I met my mates a while ago and was this we outside having... the playground no <laughs> okay. this time uh, and we went to actually do you remember uh, Brewery Corner in Kilkenny yes we were there it was a lovely pub great selection run by O'Hara's Brewery which are a really good brewery from Carlo and there's an area opposite it that it's kind of accepted that it, the pub doesn't own it but people go in there and they'll have their takeaway pint or generally like it, it's intended as a, as a public communal space and that's fine uh, and the guards don't really stop people it's mm. just the accepted area of that's where it happens. You know, it's not a written rule, but they just do it. And one of my friends needed to uh, do a urination. So we moved a little bit uh, to find a public toilet and she did a urination. And then when we went back, one of the other ones said, 
hey, actually, why don't we just move down to this parking lot here a little bit because it's a little more private. So we said, grand, cool. And we were finishing our beers there and guards came along and said, you're going to need to get rid of those beers and we can give you a fine because, let's face it, drinking outside is illegal. So even though circumstances or whatever, it's still an offence. But they were like, look, we won't just get rid of the drinks and move on. And they went along and we didn't get rid of the drinks. We just brought them somewhere else. But it really was a, a working example of the, even the guards acknowledging, look, we're not going to stop you here. We will stop you there. So it's it's proven to be effective. If, if you can say, we'll, you know, fucking gentlemen's agreement, you're allowed to drink in this one area. Yeah. They show it can work. But the thing is, like, uh, uh, we, at the weekend, down on, at Spanish Arch on Saturday evening, just around dusk, you know, <laughs> and a guard just wandered along and told whoever was left around, because it was quiet enough at that point, you know, it was later in the evening. Yeah. Um, And it was cool enough. It just told whoever was left around, just head, head on. Move on, yeah. They said they'd complain from the residents. Now, whatever fucking person decided to move into the next to the long walk to the long walk in Galway and yeah. expected anything, I don't know. But I actually don't think that was the case. I think they were just being preemptive, and it was it was no bother. It just told us all to move on. And we moved on. Well, that's the the exact same excuse the guards we. Uh moved us on gave us is there was a, a complaint from a resident and if we wanted to be cheeky i could have pointed out with there's not a residential property here within 500 meters so there's no fucking way anyone has seen us to make this complaint you were just passing by and didn't want to say hey i made the decision to tell you to stop doing that yeah yeah you know they don't want to be unpopular but i just i just think that like what the government and what the guards are, are, are enforcing now is just stubborn enforcing of a rule because a rule exists and would see a defeat in changing the rule to give you know people more rights and them less of a right to give out to people uh, and look culpable you know but if we could just say right this you know 100 meter square or, or define perhaps certain sections of public parks far enough away from a playground as being okay to drink in it would be huge for for ireland but ireland is so in some in many respects ireland is very backward in that it's so much of it is about optics and perception and pandering to business pandering to business and pandering to this idea of responsibility it's like we it's like a kind of a failing in our psyche that we don't see any value beyond monetary value in people's lives. And therefore, it's a negative thing that people go out and enjoy themselves. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and especially, I mean, that's a good point of not seeing any value outside the monetary value of someone's life because it implies drinking, you know, making this kind of law to create public spaces for drinking would be a quality of life law. And certainly you would see the Vintners lobby going mad over it because it's taking money out of their pockets. And, and that's that's what's going to win the day, because just like with, with the housing crisis, lots of of of, of TDs are, are, land, are, are pub landlords. So and they've got a strong lobby. 
Exactly. So I, I can't see something like cha- that changing. But Jesus, it would be great for us because it would also change, I think, the Irish relationship uh, with alcohol. Like if you look at it again, if we we're going to talk about Spain as, you know, the kind of uh, a measuring post example of this is, I mean, they are the culture who can just have a beer at dinner and go home or sit down in a park and have one can and go home. That like our culture, of course, like we don't even need to go into the whole we just have a bad relationship with alcohol thing. Even if you just look at the places where opportunities are created for us to drink, the places where you go to drink, all you can do there is drink. You're in a confined space, you drink there and you leave and, and that's it. And I mean, that nearly encourages you to drink more because what do you do in a bowling alley? You bowl until you're done. You know, what do you do in a drinking room? You, you drink until you're drunk and you go home. Uh, and like, if you could just drink a can in a park... Maybe you're going to walk as well. Maybe you know it's not just about yeah. If you could, if you could drinking. make if you could make it into a picnic and and also the, the one of the other pr- problems and I mean I I see this as going beyond just drinking as well. I I see people. I see a lot of attitudes are a lot of uh, attitudes of lawmakers in the country are negative towards general quality of life. Mm. I mean even down to even down to um, planning and housing, and it's a, you know it's it's all dictated by you know if they build if they build more houses, it'll damage somebody who owns who's invested in a hundred houses. Yeah, yeah it'll yeah. damage their pocket. Therefore, they can't make a genuine effort to end home. You know, it's that that mentality of money first and people second. Do you think you could um, categorize that as a, resp- a response to post-colonialism? That like since gaining independence, there's such a focus on, right, we need to not fuck this up and we need to be so financially dependent that our laws have kind of shaped around that just as a, look, we're doing fine. I think I was sort of alluding to it, but I didn't want to state it outright because I feel that there's also... There's a sort of a, I think it's it's a little bit more unique to our own specific experience of post-colonialism rather than a general post-colonialism slant. I think it's partially maybe to do with our, I suppose, British influence for one and, and, and maybe Catholic influence as well. That being a Northern European country near Britain, near... Uh, you know, having being affected, I suppose, by the Scandinavian countries, they have a culture of sort of, um, I suppose, there is a culture of responsibility. And the, I think there's a, a sense of that's who we need to belong with, as opposed to the southern countries, the irresponsible countries, Spain, mm-hmm. Italy, Greece, which we, I think, naturally actually levitate towards more so than the northern European countries in our outlook on life. So I think there, there's a sort of a bit of a balance on that. And it's such a fake culture as well of this sense of responsibility. Go on. In that the actions of the government have been hugely irresponsible, merely classist, favouring the wealthy. It's not responsible, but that's how they're presenting, I suppose, the general upward movement of money very much like a kind of you know drunk uncle who's been told 
told how, but never taught how. And so he's like, okay, um, is this me doing good? But underneath it all, he just wants to have the crack. Yeah, there's that. But I don't know. It's, it's a bit... I just, I get very angry when I think about those vulture funds and what Michael Noonan was responsible for. Mm. The selling off of NAMA to the vulture funds was a disgrace. And I hope it is the overwhelming legacy attached to Michael Noonan's name is that he sold the country into homelessness. Well, there's the advert that's going to go on Facebook. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I guess... I guess what I'm trying to focus on, because, I mean, because in Ireland, and I guess every country has just so many negative things you you can focus on and say, look, this, this is shit. Things like creating, you know, public recreation spaces and a, a new plan for remote work are positives that we can take away from a very specific event. You know, like the pandemic has proven many things socially. Uh, work and and I think there's so many you know endemic problems with the state that can't change you know like our our housing crisis I I don't think something like COVID has presented many solutions uh, for that if anything it's just doubled down on how how shit that is but if there was a distinct I mean it, it's providing a huge opportunity to solve the homeless crisis providing at least a sort of a, a gateway to do so if it was seized upon, because people can, it can definitely alleviate Dublin, because people no longer need to live in Dublin. So if you could work to move people out of Dublin that don't need to be in Dublin by creating incentives, it would mean that Dublin, where the problem is worst, would at least feel some bit of, uh, there, there would be some alleviation of the problem. I suppose... A kind of focus on remote work and decentralisation in Ireland would would certainly help uh, now prevent I, I know, homelessness. I know. I'm, not, I'm not sure it would battle actual homelessness, statistic homelessness right now. I'm not sure it would have that much of an effect there. No, but... I don't think it's an immediate thing. But I And I know the government have stated their intention to, in, to put more people online, but it needs to be accompanied with an incentive because if you've set up your life in Dublin and that was your intention you need an incentive to get out of there mm-hmm. so you need a something more in terms of a guarantee that you will be able to work uh online because um no more than yourself you couldn't leave Dublin until you knew that that was all good and furthermore to that, then you you sort of need maybe a housing incentive, some sort of. Now, again, I will say there is a certain incentive in the fact that they've promised to invest more money into rural broadband and such. I am optimistic about the 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 five year plan for shifting to remote work. Uh, like I think, uh, I mean, shit. If we could even shift fifteen percent of girls um, that would be good too. <laughs> if we can shift 15% of the multinational companies out of Dublin and further afield that would be hugely significant like you saw I think it was Leo announced during the week that there's a major a major global company coming to somewhere in Galway and he was like 
there will be 60 jobs or 72 jobs over a six year period and people broke that down and they're like that's 12 a year go fuck yourself like it needs to be a, a significant uh, commitment to actual proper sustainable big number of employees now i guess to be honest there's not a huge amount of that in dublin city anyway because when you're looking at things that employ thousands of people at a time you're looking at factories you know the like that already exist in limerick like um vistacon or cook medical uh they already exist the ones that people want to move out are the actual tech companies where you can go remote yeah, and like as, the Apple as I'm model. speaking now, I'm kind of realizing, wait a minute, there's not that many people in, in those offices anyway. It's not going to create that many new jobs. Mm. I think an awful lot of the smaller companies, smaller offices, you'd probably get more movement on them if you actually dismantled them and sent them to work remotely. Because an awful lot of the bigger companies, your Vistacons, your uh, Boston Scientifics, or I don't know what other example you gave there, a lot of them you can't really move because they're general operatives working physically on stuff. Oh, yeah, but I mean, th- those are the ones that are already decentralised. Yeah. The ones that empl- employ the most are are actually kind of outside of Dublin. Now, I don't know how many Google or Facebook employ in-house in Dublin or anything. I, that would be that would actually pretty, be a pretty interesting figure to have. But I'm, I'm not sure how much of, of the difference that would actually make now I think about it. I mean, I'm still in favour of doing it. Mm-hmm. Like accountants and all these people, they should all be fucked out of Dublin. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and this is a huge generalisation, but those kind of people are the kind of people who will never leave Dublin. Mm. You know, and, and that's a problem as well, but that's a class issue that we can't really tackle uh, uh, economically so much. It would, it And you would could be then replace cool. their, bil- their businesses in Dublin with mobile phone shops. <laughs> I think the biggest benefit of of moving uh, of because essentially when we're talking about uh, uh, decentralizing, you know, IT jobs and stuff with with cultural capital, there's going to be huge implication of gentrification then within rural areas, and maybe that will mean I'll finally get a decent pizza in Kilkenny. Do they not do decent pizza in Kilkenny? There's one decent pizza place, and it's not even that decent. Jeez, there's a place up in Galway, Napoli, pasta and pizza. Okay. Oh, fuck me, it's a great pizza. I got sausage. Did you ever hear of bolognese on a pizza? I have, yeah. It's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I like, we've already talked about how salmon is good on pizza. Uh, Egg, decent on pizza. And I've seen pizzas with like, you know, a a white sauce base instead of tomato sauce. But there's just none of that down here. Give me all the pizza, please. I do love, and I know it's probably sacrilege by... Italian people's standards, but God, do I love that buffalo wing pizza. Oh, there's Luigi Malone's in Dublin and yeah. uh, there's one in Cork as well. Yes, uh, 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 I'm looking forward to going back over to Dublin the next time I'm up there and going and getting a Luigi wing sauce pizza. It's it's fantastic. Stephen, is a deep dish Chicago pizza a savoury cheesecake? It's kind of about right, isn't it? Yeah. God, I love cheesecake. <laughs> this is the worst health podcast ever. Jesus, did you get out in the sun yesterday? I did. And for the first time in ages, I didn't get fucking scalded because I was putting on sun cream the whole time. I got uh, burnt in my neck. Did you? Yeah, that's not great. Got a cool haircut. Oh, God, Adam, I'm sexy. 
Are you? Yeah. I got um I got I got it all trimmed back. It was I was looking like the wild man of the hills. And yeah, I got a bit of I got a bit of sunburn. It was so nice to get out in it. Yes. The only thing is I'm absolutely whacked today and yesterday. It just like knocked me right out. Very active. No, I'm just allergic to vitamin D, I think. <laughs> uh, who were all the fellas with you with the shaved heads? Oh, Jesus, are we going down this route again? <laughs> <laughs> um, just for people listening, this is uh, unless things change dramatically in, in the next period. This is going to be our second last episode. This will be our second last episode and our 102nd episode bonanza. Actually, shit, we should have said that earlier. <laughs> have you learned anything over uh, 102 episodes? I guess it's, I mean, it's not 102 in, in series two, but I guess, yeah. Uh, we will cover a lot of this next week, but yeah, have you learned anything? I have learned that Chicago deep dish pizza is a savoury cheesecake. Wouldn't a savoury cheesecake be amazing, though? And think about it, like, if you were to blend up the cheese... A, a quiche is kind of like a savoury cheesecake. Um, Quiche... Texture-wise, yes, but it has no cheese in it. Okay, we'll leave it on this, right? I saw a fella making a fried egg. And what he did was he got a raw egg and put it on a cold pan. Then he put a kind of a little bit of a jar over the yolk of the egg to protect it. Then he got an electric whisk and whisked all of the egg white that was outside of the jar Mm -hmm. so that it all fluffied up into a kind of a cloud thing. Then, like a meringue. Then turned, then turned on the heat, kind of cooked it a little bit, took up the jar from the middle of it, and then covered it with the thing so that he had this big, mad-looking, cloudy fried egg. Wow. Uh, it looked interesting and a really weird way of doing an egg. Okay, I must look up that video. That's kind of interesting. Well, there you mm. go. You've learned something healthy. It's good, but it's no Saravac Laxa with chili sambal. Next time. Have a great evening, Stephen. Up yours, Adam.